Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. Purpose of the Method to the Madness is to get to what really works and what doesn't work based on scientific principles. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and they are consummate professionals. Whether you're looking to buy a new place or sell yours, I would definitely give them a shout. No question about it. They're all over the place doing great work. Great work on social media too. And nowadays that's huge. And I always see their great posts. So if you're trying to list something, they'll get it out there for you. I'll put all of their information in the show notes. Today I have two topics that have come up. And uh, these are both pretty cool. And it's something we don't always think about a whole lot in the old exercise world. At least it's not talked a lot about. And it's I don't think it's explained why these two things may help you in your fitness journal. And that's kind of funny. I meant to say fitness journey, but it's all about the fitness journal today. So that was pretty cool. Fitness journal or training diary. Do you keep one and should you keep one? What does the research say? What does common sense say? What do I say? All right. So first off, the answer is yes. I think we should all keep a fitness journal. I started doing that years and years ago, back when I was really getting into competitive bodybuilding. And uh, I was in my early 20s, late teens, I guess. And I did it simply because everybody else was. Like everybody that I looked up to in the bodybuilding world was keeping an exercise journal of sorts. All of the top bodybuilders like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Frigno and Franco Colombo, Frank Zane, Tom Platts, I can go on and on, but they all talked about the importance of keeping a training journal. So I started doing it then. And um, through the years, I've continued to. I've had written journals. I've had databases that I keep in the computer. And I've kept charts. So yes, I use them. All right. Now, the next thing is, is what does research say? Well, research says that people that do keep a training diary of sorts tend to be able to pay attention to their body a little bit better because they write down certain things. So it kind of helps monitor for overtraining. So the research has been good. Now it's a little vague area to kind of study because everybody keeps different types of journals. So it's kind of difficult to say, well, you know, what do you put in it? What does somebody else put in it? What do we need to put in it? And I'm going to cover that in a second. But first, just know that the research says it's a pretty good thing to do. And that's in all areas. That's like in psychological behavioral issues as well. You know, writing things down really kind of helps people get a little more connected with what they're doing, maybe what they should do, but definitely how you feel. And that's been what's been brought out about the fitness journal is 
we always tell people to listen to your body or my industry, we do anyway, you know, listen to your body, listen to your body. And a lot of people aren't very good at that. So when we keep a fitness journal and we use to kind of like put objective markings to subjective feelings, like on a scale of one to five, how beat up do you feel or how tired do you feel? And then if they learn to say, oh man, well, four or five, then they end up learning how to listen to their body a little bit better. And I suppose we can all do that in our mind, you know, but I just think it really helps to write it down. A lot of people tell me they don't keep one because they remember what they're supposed to do. And that's fine. Like if it's, you know, something you just use to remember what you're supposed to do, but you remember what you're supposed to do, then there is no reason to keep one. And by the way, if you're not keeping one, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into keeping them. It's really kind of a personal choice. Um, but again, I think the the main reason to keep one isn't so much to remember what you're supposed to do, but more or less to kind of give you some motivation and learn to listen to your body. Okay, so what should you keep in it? There's all these different opinions as to what to keep in a fitness journal, all right? But I say keep it simple, stupid. So write down what you did. Find a way to write down like the mode, for example, running, the time, so time or distance, three miles, intensity, and you can gauge that whether you use pace or heart rate, but use something like that. And then a little bit of a variable as far as how did you feel. And again, I kind of like the one through five, you know, and you kind of have to spell that out for yourself what that means. But five could mean you feel great. One could mean you felt like dog poop. So whatever. But do something like that. Another thing you can keep in your fitness journal, unless you get too obsessed about it and only you know you, is your weight because you can kind of monitor that based on the training that you're doing. Uh, you could potentially put how much you slept the night before in it, or if you started the day tired. You could put in it certain events, like started a new job, so maybe a training slump looks a little more predictable, so to say. Uh, you could do that, but really keep it simple, stupid, day, date, what you did, how much you did, and how you feel, I think is the best thing to put into a fitness journal. And then when you have PRs or big moments, like you PR'd in a 5K, you'd write that down, had my best 5K ever. You bench pressed more than you ever have, you put that down. So you put accomplishments in there and goals. You know, it's really your journal. And I do think it's a good thing to keep. Now, one last thing on journals. Some people have said, well, with Apple watches and Garmin watches and Google now has their own, it kind of tracks that stuff for you, you know, and it does. I mean, it does track everything. And I'm not saying only like don't rely on that. Now, it is accurate. Like it does do a good job of grabbing your distance and average heart rates and average paces I mean, it does do those things. So it does record it. I just kind of like sitting down where you can open the pages and look back a little bit. I know you can do that. 
electronically. And maybe this is just, you know, my age group talking here. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I store my stuff in my watch. I mean, I don't purposely store it. It does it for me. I don't know if I would store it if I had the choice. I know I have an Apple watch now. And when I finish a workout, I hit finish. And I don't think there's an option to say finish and don't save. I don't know. Because I don't mind saving it. It's just I don't know that I use that a whole lot. Because I do like to write things down. Now, when people come in for personal training, which is you know the bulk of what we do... We kind of keep a journal for you, but it's the chart. It's your workout chart. And, uh, you know, we think those charts are very important. You know, even though we know what people do, some people do the same thing all the time because that's what they really like to do and it works for them. So it's not like we need it to remember, but it is nice to kind of track things and we can look back. And when I've had clients for years and years, it's really cool Every once in a while as we're kind of spring cleaning to go through and go, oh, wow, look at this chart from 2008. You know, look what they're doing back then. So, you know, we keep them here. So if you're coming for personal training and you're listening to this, it's not a bad idea to also have a little written journal that you keep going along with the chart that we keep here. And you can simply you don't have to write down the exercises and reps and all that because we're doing that. But uh, you can, you know write down, went to the gym today, went to Maxwell's, did strength training, and then write down how you felt with that. So, you know, that's how you can utilize that. All right. The second thing that came up is training partners, training partners. So again, that's something that long before I got in the business and it's uh, just like the exercise journal long before I started being a trainer, I kept one. So long before I got in the business and that was you know, over 30 years ago, I always had workout partners and, uh, which is kind of funny now, you know, I was thinking of that the other day cause I'm working on my new book and it's about strength training. And, uh, I was talking about that a little bit in the introduction and other parts. And I was amazed like how many workout partners I had and how much I enjoyed that. And they became good friends and it's kind of interesting to me only because, you know, I feel like I'm pretty much an introvert a lot. Don't always like to be around a lot of people, but like when it came to working out, I loved having a workout partner. I would seek them out or they would seek me out. And it really, really helped. You know, it's it was a matter of getting to the gym, which I was always pretty disciplined to do. But no question, I knew that it was even easier to get to the gym when I knew I was meeting somebody there to work out at a particular time. And you have to keep in mind, this is long before social media, long before texting or anything like that, you know, and uh, we had landline phones back then, you know, way back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, so it would be a matter of calling somebody up the day before, say, hey, you know, work out after school college in those days and uh three o'clock whatever yeah yeah see you there and then just know they're gonna be there you know there couldn't have been a text bailout like probably happens a lot today uh no you you were committed so it definitely helped knowing that but more importantly and the research bears this out too and this is some new research by the way and uh the the studies on social facilitation now the social facilitation actually isn't 
new in the research world. As a matter of fact, as I used to teach sports psychology, the very first study ever done in sports psychology was on social facilitation. And what that means is basically that people do better when they know other people are watching. And the original study was done on cyclists who race. And the cyclists who were racing that knew they had people watching on the sides of the roads raced faster than those who didn't. That was the original study. So that's way back early 1900s. So it's not like social facilitations new. But a new study done on social facilitation as far as having a workout partner goes is pretty new. And they found that people rated themselves far more likely and motivated to work out and also performed better when looking back in their exercise records when they did have a workout partner. And, you know, it could partly be to a little bit of competition, you know, which is nice, friendly competition. And that's how it was with me and my workout partners. If somebody lays down and reps out a certain amount of reps on the bench press and you're going next, you know, it's always nice to at least be able to keep up, if not do more. And it pushes both parties by doing that. So there could be the competition to this a little bit or a little bit of competition. Um, But whatever it is, we know that people do better when they work out with somebody. Now, that is one of the biggest things that promotes our business, like in personal training. So they did a study in my industry, and this study has been replicated over and over and over. And it was done with surveys, of course, mostly. And the number one reason why people hire personal trainers is for accountability. You know, it's so funny when you talk to people who aren't in the industry, like other allied health professionals that I know that are peers of mine, whether it be a group that I go to, to, you know, talk shop or whatever, and bring my particular discipline to it, you know, the stereotype is always, a, oh, well, you know, basically the whole, your whole job is to push people, you know, make them do what they don't want to do. And it's like, well, that's partly true, but I think the pushing people part gets like taken a little too far, meaning that we see these episodes on Seinfeld or these other shows and, you know, it always kind of makes a tease at the trainer, like overly pushing and kind of being a bully and screaming at people. And it it didn't help when that dumb show was out. What was it called? Famous, famous woman trainer. Oh gosh, I can't think of it. Somebody email me when you hear this and let me know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But it didn't help because her and her staff would just beat the living tar out of people in this uh, fitness show, you know, to help them to lose weight. Biggest loser. God, why didn't I think of that? Biggest loser. Jillian, right? That was her name. Yeah. And she got all the rage and compliments and all that. And sure, she's attractive and all this. And But, you know, based on what I know, um, well, you know what? I'm going to leave it at that because this is published on <laughs> Spotify and everything. Let's just say that I don't like the techniques that they used. And it is, uh, you know, not the way to treat people, beating them up and embarrassing them and 
you know, they were making overweight and obese people like hit tires with sledgehammers and all this ridiculous stuff. And people would just tune in to watch people get bullied and beat up, which doesn't say a lot about us as a society. Right. But it was popular. But in any event, that's kind of the stereotype. And I always have to remind my peers and say, well, the number one reason people see a trainer is accountability. They know they have somebody there waiting for them. And most of them know how to work out. Not all of them, but they learn pretty quick because it's a lot more simple than they're led to believe. But they want to stick with it because they like the accountability of knowing somebody is there who cares and somebody is there who cares that's going to show them the right way to do things and absolutely push them a little to do what they wouldn't naturally do on their own. But again, the pushing part gets a little bit overstated because we can really only do what we can do. And maybe us trainers or workout partners, you know, can get one or two or three more reps out of you or me, but that's not like huge, you know, and pushing is good, but it's really the accountability and and making sure you're there for somebody and they know that and you're going to guide them with compassion, concern and professionalism is I think what really is the selling point. And thank goodness for it, right? I mean, you know, that's, it really does work and it really does help. And my years of experience has shown me that. So, you know, personal training is a workout partner. And what's kind of funny about that is when people sign up as couples and let's say they're not real couples, so to say, like husband and wife or partner, partner, you know, but they're just friends, you know, and they want to work out together then it's not the greatest environment because then it's like you got two people and then the trainer and somebody becomes the odd man out and the trainer's trying to kind of keep everybody organized on what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just weird. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm sure it depends on the personalities of everybody involved. But I will say that like in that situation, it's not as good. So if you you know, have a workout partner and you hire a trainer, I don't know, maybe go at different times or whatever. It's a little bit different when it's group exercise or whatever, but that's just been my experience. No question though, that having a workout partner is very beneficial. And that was a question that came up, you know, and again, I can relate to it here as a professional because that's basically what we are for you, a very professional experienced one but it's a good thing to have. And uh, so that is that. And I want to thank chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach. She is a graduate of Palmer College, and she's been in business for 17 years. If you're in need of a chiropractor, I will put her information in the show notes. All right. Talk next time.